You're listening to Finn Too Deep. Tua back to throw. Blitz coming. They get to him. No, he takes off running. And he's he in. It. Touchdown Miami. With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Let's dive back in, Fin Too Deep, with your host, myself, Reason, and my co-host, Neil Driscoll. You can follow each of us on Twitter. You can follow Neil Driscoll, at Neil Driscoll. You can follow myself at the underscore real underscore reason. So, Neil, um, you know, how are you doing in a tumultuous week where, on one hand, we had to deal with that tough, tough loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars to now having this loss um, you know, of sleep that's pending for all of us, Dolphins Nation, as the Watson talks intensify right now. Um, it's been quite a crazy week. Um, you know, we went from early on people trying to point at Tua to now Tua might not even be here, according to some. Um, obviously, the story broke earlier today with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Um, in regards to the Dolphins being interested in a trade, um, where are you at? How are you how are you dealing with this? How are you coping with all this going on? Man, it, it's been a tough week. Uh, you know, we, we can't say the Miami Dolphins are boring. Uh, they, they definitely keep us on the edge of their feet. was listening to Travis Wingfield's podcast, uh, Drive Time, this week. Heard him start it off with kind of giving some background of him as a Dolphins fan. So for me, same kind of thing. 34 years I've been a Dolphins fan. First gift I ever remember getting was a Hutch set with a Dan Reno jersey and that Miami Dolphins plastic helmet. Um, Five-year Dolphins season ticket in my adult life. And granted, I live in Baltimore, Maryland. So flying to Miami eight times a year to go see this team, investing a lot of money, a lot of resources to go see them. Back when I was a senior in high school, went to Bill Bateman's to watch the Dolphins lose the Jets in the Monday Night Miracles instead of going to my grandmother's viewing, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm a little in, in this deep. And when you see your team continue to underachieve, um, you know, this loss to the Jacksonville Jags uh, in London was the worst loss I've seen since the loss to Jacksonville in the playoffs in Dan Reno's last game. Ironically right? enough. Yeah, I think it was that bad. Um, you know, just, you know, and, and the thing that got me excited, and I think it's the same thing that probably got you excited, was the return of Tua. And Tua played really, really well, considering, you know, he had two starting receivers He had receivers some misreads, but he was pretty good, man. Yeah, I mean, two starting receivers out. You have the worst offensive line in the league. You know, I, I know there's people out there like, well, the offensive line didn't give a, stat, a sack. Well, you know what? Don't look at the box yeah, score. Two is evading, all right? Two is evading yeah. out here, all right? 20, 20 pressures. Austin Jackson gave up another five. I mean, this guy is averaging five pressures a week. And there's people that think that he's going to be the answer at left guard. I, I, it's no, over. He's not that good. He's awful. Eichenberg's he's awful. even not that good. You're noticing his arm length and his lack of athleticism. He can't handle speed around the outside. And it's because he's slow into his kick slide. But then on top of that, he does not have the arm length to hold you off until he gets in front of you and squares you up. So, Right now, he's just he's not able to handle, you know, he's not able to handle really athletic edges right now. Speedy yeah, he's edges. Not, 
He's not. The offensive line gave 20 pressures. To and his a, to anchor is not very good. He's two, He's like 302 pounds, and he's 6'6". Six, six. That's slim. Yeah, I mean, look, Tua made him look way better than they were. I, I shows yeah. you that he's doing a much better job than Jacoby Brissett. The offense looked well. Davis oiled. is trash. The, the first drive, they moved down the field. The one drive after Tua threw the pick, and he went right down the field, was one of his best. It was his best drive of his career, I think. Yeah. But like, you know, one of the things is like, Tua is not good enough, and I don't know if there's any player that is good enough to overcome oh, the deficiencies God. we're seeing in this well, coaching staff. If hold on, if Will Watson was good enough, why did he have? A, we don't have a Tunsil on this team. We don't have a healthy. Will Fuller, let alone the Will Fuller that was blazing the league last year before the suspension. Hell, we don't even have a, you know, the way that they don't even use Waddle, right? So we don't even have a Brandon Cooks right now with how they knew how to use him in Houston. And yet he only won four games. What's going to be the difference here? Well, he, and we've, we've flirted with this the last few weeks on this podcast, right? And, you know, we dip our toes into the water that Brian Flores is it the long-term answer. Well, it's time. It's time to jump in. I mean, Brian Flores. Welcome every to the week, dark side. Yeah, I mean, and and your reason you were on the first that were on that train, and people thought you were crazy. But you, you know, every week we line Buddy, up. I want you to realize on Finside the NFL, Neil, in the in the in the off season, I had people in my comment section saying he was the best coach we've had since Don Shula. Yeah, I mean that that that's crazy. Jimmy Johnson rings. And you bell. know what? I hated Adam Gase. But I said to everyone, Adam Gase had was eighteen and sixteen, not sixteen and eighteen over his first thirty-four, and he made he got us in the playoffs. Well, Flores hasn't got me a playoff berth yet, and yeah. I feel with how that line in that running game was la- that year, if we would have got if Tannehill would have stayed healthy, I think we could have won a playoff round under Gase. Call me crazy. Yeah, yeah oh yeah, that that was in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. Adam Gase, he he rubs his coaches the wrong way. He rubs some of his players the wrong way. Uh, you know, Flores? We, we know, you talking about Flores or Gase? Flores, Flores. He he rubs yeah. his co- he rubs the alumni. He rubs a lot of people the wrong way. It's his way or the highway. He you know in, in today's world, in anything that you do, you got to be open to collaboration and change. And he's stubborn. It's his way or the highway. It shows every week. It's evident. And and like just look at the stupid little things that add up. Like right, oh. like I, I like Miles we'll get the Jags yeah. game. Oh my god. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it's just really, it was, it's a, really I can't believe I'm sitting here and we're having this conversation and I'm about to talk about the fact that this guy got out coached for four minutes by Urban Meyer, a guy who's more, who's more worried about after a loss, instead of his team getting better, going out and skirt chasing in bars. Like that's what that, that, like you should be embarrassed. Like that is, well, that is grounds for dismissal. The first thing that went through my mind when that field goal went in and the Dolphins lost was how far away are we from seeing that Deshaun Watson is going to become yeah. a Miami Dolphin? Because it's not about Tua. It's about an owner, right, who wants the return on his investment, right? Whether we like Stephen Ross or not, we can't argue what he's invested into this franchise. He's not getting any younger. He wants to see a winner. And, and he doesn't not, care about draft picks a couple years down the line. He probably doesn't even know if he's going to be here. He's 81. Exactly. So what he wants is he wants Rolls-Royce at quarterback. And look, I, I, I don't think that two has proven that he is a franchise quarterback yet. That doesn't mean I don't he's think he will. that he is one. He hasn't consistently yeah, shown it. But, but, there's but we've only given him two games. Like, it's not even his fault why we're one in five right now. Well, it's, it, but here's the thing: is nothing's really his fault. And think we, of, we, think of, let's let's think about this. 
let's say he's three first and two second round picks to Sean Watson. Do you know how many linemen? I bet you we could get Taylor Decker for one of those seconds. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it, – it's not fair to Tua. We haven't developed him right since we drafted him. I mean, since we brought this guy in, we've done so Let me ask failed. you this. Okay, so this is a point that I've been harping on since all this noise started. If we can't trust them to properly build around a number five overall pick that we know there was a split – but that they ended up eventually drafting anyway. So obviously the more powerful people wanted Tua in the organization. I know from what I was told, Stephen Ross and Chris Greer told him at the Iron Bowl directly, if you, if you, like the Auburn-Alabama game in his last year, if you declare we're drafting you. Anyways, that being said, you know, it. you look at how this is all going down, it kind of, I don't know. I get the sense that this reeks of desperation. That this is even being talked about. The Deshaun about right Watson now. trade you're talking the about, De- right? Yeah, the yeah. Deshaun Watson trade reeks of desperation. You know, you talked about your fanship, okay? Well, your fandom. Sorry, you know, I have been a fan. You know, one of the first pictures of me is my dad holding me in his Dan Marino jersey. Okay, um, I remember crying on his lap watching them lose to the Buffalo Bills because the Bills are only a little over an hour away from me. I remember that in that AFC Championship game in 92-93. You know, the first game my stepdad ever watched with me was that Mark Burnell shellacking of Dan Marino in the playoffs in his last game. You know, when you look at what we have right now with Tua, he, you know, he is not the issue right now, and the fact that it's getting scapegoated. Listen, I understand that Watson is an upgrade over him. No one's going to make that argument. But here's my thing: you talk about them not putting all this stuff around a number five overall pick. What makes you think they're going to properly build around a twenty-five-year-old who, with less on paper? put up over 4,800 yards, even if they lost four games. Like what, what, tr- and he's only 25, so he still does have growth and development left. What makes you think that all of a sudden, just because they're saying, hey, we can't properly grow and develop Tua into what his ceiling's going to be, we think. Some of us are out. Go get the guy who's sped up right now. What makes you think they're going to continue to tap into Deshaun Watson's potential and he's going to blossom as a Super Bowl winner under this current regime. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Like, like if they can't, if they can't get a guy they chose, right. How are they going to get someone else's treasure? Right. Just because it's just because it's nice and new and shiny. doesn't mean it's got to be, doesn't have to be cleaned and polished every once in a while. You know what I mean? Like, or, or dust grows up on that. So this is what I'm saying. How can we, and now, They've gone from spending a second overall pick, when you look at the first two rounds, a second overall pick on Rosen and a number five overall pick on Tua in the last three years to now. If it's three firsts and two seconds, you've spent four firsts, three seconds on that position, and you've never had that investment in a player, let alone a position in the history of this team draft capital-wise. And now it's even more of a valued asset. Now Deshaun Watson value-wise is worth way more than what Tua was. Value on the market alone, we paid it. 
Now add in what the Rosen cost was and Tua cost. This regime has spent an unprecedented amount of capital if this were to go through. And now my thing is, do I trust that they're going to properly protect and blossom that? Like if I was Greer, sorry, if I was Ross, I'd fire their asses anyways after it's said and done. You know what I would well, say? They, you, know, right. you know what I would say? You know what I'd say? I know a new guy wouldn't have made that trade. Thanks. Now, get out of town, Dodge, because I told you I wanted this since the offseason. You waited till we were one and five and your ass was on the line. And this is where what pisses me off as a fan. You weren't doing it in this team's best interest. You were doing this in the interest of saving your ass and extending your shelf life. That's why we should have even a bigger issue with Greer and Flores right now because they're not doing this. If they would have truly had this team's best interest, this trade would have been done either before the season started or as soon as Tua went down if we've been sniffing around as much as we are led to believe we have been and for how long we have been. So, you know, this blunder could have been avoided or if we would have been one and five with Watson we would really know what the what the deal is right now but you see where I'm going with this like I, I, do. I do and there's a lot to unpack let, let me start with one thing the price to get Watson right the three first round picks I could care less about it I really could yeah, they don't know how to spend them anyways bro well, that and, and like the price of getting an elite starting quarterback. Buddy, we have league. Evan Neal pick right now, and it's with the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you realize this? I do, I do. But again, the to get an elite starting quarterback because I, I I don't know if you do. He's in my top five. Deshaun Watson. He's probably in my top. Yeah, he's in my top five. He's my top he's five, in, top three. He's in that area. So yeah. I, I don't care if they give up five first round picks. I really don't because this no, he's better play. Yeah, you know, better play. The thing that scares me is the risk involved with him with the legal issues. So I like we'll put that like it's it's not about Deshaun Watson to me. None of this is about Deshaun Watson to me because he's a great football player. If the legal stuff checked out, you've upgraded and you probably have the best offensive player you've had since Ricky Williams. Like that's to me what that means. And and honestly, the thing I think about the I think the Dolphins are a very arrogant organization. They think that just getting the quarterback upgrade because look, there's no doubt. There's many people in the Miami Dolphins organization that doubt Tua. From from the top down, and not everyone does, but there's many that do. I would say a majority of the Miami Dolphins in that building doubt to a tongue of a lower for whatever reason, and and I don't I don't know. Are you the talking about players or in the organization, the front office, and the hierarchy? I think the I think the hierarchy, the front office. I I don't know about the players, but I would say this: if you pull ten players. Eight of them would probably rather play with freaking Deshaun Watson than Tua, but none of that matters. That's not what this is about. Well, he's a more polished product. I would expect them to say that, right? The, this, with this, the thing is, and I'll say this: I think the Dolphins' roster that Deshaun Watson would be coming to is way better than what he had in Houston, with with Larry Tunsil being the obvious omission that we have because you know Larry Tunsil by himself might be better than all five offensive line we have. We might have him just line up by himself and block. Well, they have a better running back room right now. I mean, they have Philip Lindsay yeah, and Mark yeah. Ingram. But, I mean, but, but here's the thing, you know, that all like we we can't ignore as much as they botched this rebuild. The one thing they've done is set themselves up to have way more resources than they deserve, right? And I and look, I I don't trust them either. But what I'm saying is they probably think that like, you know, I was looking at this the other day, if they can cut because I'm done with Devontae Parker, and we can get into that later. But they can get rid of some of these players, and they can sign Mike Kosecki and Emmanuel Agba and still have close to $90 million in cap space. And then you have to factor in Deshaun Watson, obviously, but you're not paying. And he said he's, the word is he'd restructure. Yeah, he would restructure is what I've heard too. And, and again, I want to emphasize this loud and clear. 
Deshaun Watson wants to be a Miami Dolphin. So I've heard rumors about Carolina and stuff. It doesn't matter. What- I have heard there is interest from his camp in Carolina because of the Clemson connection. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, look, I think there's I think if you're and not- there are franchise and I haven't heard this, but this part is speculation. Let's be honest, they're a franchise where imagine if they had Deshaun Watson right now with how good they've been everywhere else. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're not interested in him and you don't have a Lamar Jackson, a Pat Mahomes, a Yeah, you, if you read Don McClain's article, he said eight teams were interested. That's a quarter of the NFL. Well, why do you think the Dolphins are the ones? I, I do think there's a leverage play, obviously, by Houston here, right? Because but Yeah, the they Dolphins, wanted it out there. They want it out there because they want to speed up the process. They want and it's it to get closer to the deadline, right? Yeah, like there's 13 days for this to happen, or it doesn't happen all the way to next year. And the, and the the Texans are going to be as as foolish as the Dolphins organization is paying a guy 10 million dollars who won't even play when your back your starting quarterback Tyrod Taylor goes down is just equally as crazy. So I, I think that the Dolphins, you know, think they have a better roster than Houston, and I think they think and, and I. Agree, I agree if we had the right coaching staff that getting Deshaun Watson makes them an instant contender. I really do, but I don't think this coaching staff does it. Um, but with all that said, like, look, let's talk about what we do know, right? Because everyone wants to talk about speculation. Like Adam Schefter said it on video, John McClain saying it, Lance Erline, everybody who's in the know, Jay Glazer, right? Like, let's not, let's not forget. Like, I know there's a couple of people saying there's no truth to it. I can tell you with 100% certainty that it's been discussed many, many times and the discussions haven't stopped. The thing that's been holding it up is the amount that Houston wants. Cesario is in pick protection. He's trying to gouge us. The Houston Texans do not want Tua back in the trade. I know that for sure. I've heard that from the summer. Yeah, so they don't want him. Now, there's teams that are rumored, and I don't know. You know, I've heard Denver. I've heard Washington. I think there's teams like Seattle. The, the Pittsburgh, I think New Orleans, there's going to be other teams that will throw their late second round pick to get to a, and, and so I, I don't think the, I think the compensation, like it always usually does will work itself out. Like this is being worked on and it's a huge distraction. Well, let's talk about that huge. Aaron Wilson tweet because he, I, I just heard from you and I talked to someone else and they said the same thing too about that Aaron Wilson tweet about, you know, it had people wondering if it was Tua. We're hearing it's the cap space for Deshaun Watson in the form of Xavier Howard's contract. Yeah, and I and I've heard that Xavier Howard. There's teams that have inquired about Xavier Howard for a while, and I've heard. I know New Orleans has been held back about Xavier Howard for a long time prior to the season started when the contract wasn't worked out. I know that Tennessee now with Caleb Farley go down is a team that could have interest, and then obviously we all know. The Arizona Cardinals are undefeated, and the biggest one on their team is cornerback. And mm. the one thing, I, the one thing that I'm learning slowly but surely is, though, like as Dolphin fans, you know, because I think he's a top three corner in football. I don't know if it's that widely um, recognized because I've heard that the Dolphins will not get a first round pick for yeah, Xavier yeah, Howard. Yeah. I, I've heard a second round at best at the end of second round or an early three, and that's as good as they're going to get. I, 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 I would say this. Like, there's all these rumors about players that don't like the Dolphins and don't want to be there. Read body language, and it's pretty clear that Xavier Howard is one of those players that doesn't want to be in Miami. And mm-hmm. I, I, I honestly was on the, the minority when I thought prior to the season it was the time to trade him coming off the 10 interception season. He's a great football player. He's the best player on the team. So it's not it's not about not – but the thing I you know you got to do is stop falling in love with the name on the back of the jersey and falling the na- on the logo because you can't get too attached Unless to Unless they're transcendent. When I saw Michael Jordan play for the Wizards and Peyton Manning play for the Broncos, all that loyalty shit went out the window. This is a professional sports, and this is a business first now. 
It's 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 not what it was back in the eighties and the early nineties. It's a lot different, man. So like you gotta make smart decisions. Like like Xavier Howard's a great football player, but he's coming up on 30 and he's got a lot of knee injuries and stuff to worry about and a lot of baggage. And we're gonna be fighting with him for a new contract. The Dolphins aren't making the playoffs this year. Like no matter what happens, I don't see a way they're gonna make the playoffs, right? So like you gotta start thinking about the future at this point. Like you better sign Mike Gusecki, or if you're not going to, you better get a big ass haul for him. Right now, Agba, same thing. You got to start thinking about picks in the future. The first domino that's going to fall is this Deshaun Watson thing. I, you know, I, I, I like, you know, everyone's wants to know a percentage and what's going to happen. You know, he wants to be a Dolphin. There's probably going to be other teams that perk their head up if the Dolphins don't make a move soon. The Dolphins have real interest in like. There's a reason this rumor will die, and where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's a lot of fire here. Like. I think the Miami Dolphins have already decided that two is not their guy. And whether we agree, because I, I don't, and I know you don't. I think some in the organization have. But the owner and doesn't. And some high have, up. And some the, high and up. The, but the owner doesn't believe in them. And I think that's going to be the thing that seals to his fate here. And, like, you know, like, that's not fair. It sucks. But that's part of business, man. And, like, these are professionals. And, you know, I hope, and you probably hope, too, I hope two will go to an NFC team. And he fucking tears it up. And that's what I want to happen. And, you know, look, this trade hasn't happened yet. So a lot of this is speculatory. But there is significant, significant interest for the Miami Dolphins to get to Sean Watson. I don't know how you can't get it done at this point. Because if you don't make the move, you've already shown Tua, you know, that you're flirting with others. And we there's not a lot of faith in you. And it's kind of like if you remember back in when Tony Sperano, we were on the verge of firing him. We couldn't find the coach we wanted. I think it was Harbaugh that we were trying to court, and we couldn't get him in, uh, Jim Harbaugh. And then we kind of gave the uh, the lame duck extension to Tony Sperano and then fired him the next year, right? Like, mm. that shit never works, man. <laughs> like, right? It never works when you start flirting with others and come back and say, you know what? We were wrong. We actually are going to support you. You know, it, it's just not going to work. So I, the Dolphins have actually created a mess with Florida and Deshaun Watson. And the only way to save it now is to actually make the deal go through. I, I don't see how at this point they this can. This is such a disaster. It, it's a disaster. I mean, this is a, of. You like, here's, real... like the, this is just from a place of desperation and to extend lives and for short-term fixes. And we've been through the short-term fixes so many times and it never it, and here's my thing. Here is your issue right now. We can't trust this team. We can't trust this coach to field a competent coaching staff. We can't trust this coach and this GM to make the proper personnel decisions in certain key areas like the offensive line, the linebacking core, which is the reason why our run defense has suffered, which is the reason why our pass protection and what has you know held us back even down to the point where I mean, we have become the most undisciplined team in the NFL, and defense and discipline was what was preached by this regime, and I haven't seen it, especially this year, on either or. The defense is just starting to fall apart. No, Ibanogany is a disaster right now. I don't care what anyone tells me. And so here's my thing. You look at Zeke Elliott. He had those domestic charges, and then they got dropped, right? He got six games, all right? even though they got dropped against him in six games. For this media circus and everything that's gone down, this guy's going to get at least six to eight games. Of course. Okay. He's gonna, there's going to be a suspension. Okay. 
my problem here is now you need a contingency plan in place, and Jacoby Brissett ain't it, that can actually at least get you at least 500 through those six to eight games. So why would you even trade Tua? Because here's my thing. If you don't have a contingency plan in place, this year at one and five, are we really expecting him to come here and with 11 games left, get us into the playoffs? That's unfair expectations for a guy who's rusty and hasn't played since last year, A. B, if he misses six games last year, let's, next year, let's say, and you go two and four, one and five, or God forbid, oh and six, now you're expecting him in, to come back and after he serves his suspension and dating you out of a hole again. So now you've wasted two years. He's gone from 25 to 27, and you, A, haven't got a full 16-game season out of him, and B, you also haven't got a playoff appearance. So they legitimately need a quarterback in place that can at least get him 500 next year if this guy's going to miss games, or that might have to carry the whole load to a respectable record if he misses the whole season for some reason. And if he misses the whole reason, season for some reason, that means this is all blown up in their face, and I don't even want to think about that point. Well, like, trading to it to me makes no sense because there's no cap savings in doing so. Like, So what if you get a second-round pick back? Like, To me, that means nothing. Like, you know, I, I, I think keeping to it is the right thing. Now, Is it, it's, it would probably be pretty hard to keep a guy who is a number five overall pick and keep him happy. Right, if you've already picked someone that you like better than him, and he's going to be the quarterback whenever he can be, and you're just now the backup plan, right? But, but like, like again, like Tua is a consummate professional, and like you know, he'll take whatever role I think that that's kind of assigned to him. But look, there's two sides of this story, right? There's a side I think you and I are on reason where it's Tua was one of the best collegiate prospects I've ever seen come out of the position um, for all the reasons, the accuracy, the twitch, all all the things we've talked about, right? And we've seen flashes of it in Miami, despite circumstances that are less than ideal. And you get excited about that because we all think he has potential to be a superstar. And you build the offensive line, do what the Chiefs did, overhaul your offensive line completely, fix it. Let's go to let's go to war. This is going to be our franchise quarterback. One line of thinking, right? Let's play devil's advocate to the other side because it's fair, right? Even though you know we have our opinion, the devil's advocate of this is we're in a division with Josh Allen. Josh Allen. If there isn't Pat Mahomes, it's probably right up there as, of, of the top quarterbacks in this league. And if we're going to want to win this division, we need an elite quarterback. And we don't have the window to wait to see if Tua gets there. And we know Deshaun Watson's there. And, like, maybe Stephen Ross and them have more information on the legality stuff than we do. So I'm just playing devil's advocate because the reality of it all is, is when you talk about football, you throw everything else out of the equation. For the immediate future and now – you know, tomorrow, yesterday, and today, Deshaun Watson's a better football player than Tua Tungvaloa, and he's better than anyone on our football team. And I'm not saying that Tua can't get there, but people like the sure thing, and they don't like to go through the growing pains. The, the, the process of developing a quarterback is a lost art in today's NFL, right? They kind of get thrown in the fire, and if they don't put results up in the first year or the second year, you're on to the next. It, it's horrible because we've seen the best quarterbacks in football. Tom Brady developed behind Drew Bledsoe. Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre. Patrick Mahomes, whether whether Alex Smith was a world beater or not, good veteran presence that he learned behind, right? So we've seen that it works when you develop quarterbacks the right way. Unfortunately, we live in a world of instant gratification, right? 
We live where I can get something off Amazon and three hours later it showed up on my doorstep. If I want my favorite restaurant to come deliver food to me, I could go on Uber Eats or whatever, you know, whatever app and get it delivered to my. So we live in a world of instant gratification. So patience is thrown out the window. And it's not just fans anymore, right? It's Stephen Ross. Stephen Ross, you know, like, you know, the one thing I'll say is it's not to his fault that he got hurt, but it sucks because it fits a certain narrative, right? He's too small. He's injury prone. All the stuff that we've heard that were knocks against Tua, I don't think they're fair. And I think what Dan Orlovsky said, and God, I think we put him on King Mountain today or something, but he said something about the offensive line, like how important it was to a quarterback, right? And, you know, like Dan Orlovsky is one of my favorite football minds out there today. And, like, you, you, you can't expect drafting Austin Jackson. I saw the video clip today when Roger Goodell's looking at the screen like, this is good news for Tua. The picks of Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogany were the failures that have already led to this rebuild going going bad, going south. Because, man, Austin Jackson is the one of the worst players in the league right now. And Noah Igbenogany is right there. And we drafted raw guys that had traits. We heard traits was the things we heard. Well, guess what? When you have musical chairs at your coaching staff and you have inexperienced coaches, you got no development of those traits. So, like, you know, we, 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 you know, we crucify Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogany. They, too, might be victims of just this coaching staff, just like Tua, right? Like, they could have the same fate because we just have an inept coaching staff. We need coaches that have experience in this league. You said this last week. Go look at the Dolphins coaches roster. They're all young, like, first, second year. Like, you, we don't need that. Like, our roster is young, our coaches are young, and it shows. Like, when we're on the field, we don't have a veteran presence. We don't have vets on this team outside of Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Everyone else is young, right? Or Jason McCourty. We have, like, three to five guys that are what you would consider vets in this day and age in football. So, like, you know, like, maybe we've had players that have these tools, but, you know, it's a big jump from college to the pro level, and if you're not getting the proper development, like, like and I love the Dolphins defensive back coach. Right? Like Gerald Alexander. Like, like he's a great coach. But something's happened this year with the secondary because despite all the talent they have, they have not been good, man, at all. And it's hard to watch. Their defense is equally as as disappointing as their defense. And let's not even get, like, the special teams, right? Michael Pilardi is the worst punter I think I've ever seen. He averaged under 40 yards per punt this week. Like, we haven't, we cut, we got rid of Jacqueline Graham for fumbling. I'm not mad about that. That's what we should have done. But that was like our all pro kick returner. And like Jason Sanders is a really, really good NFL kicker. But like, we, we all jumped too quick to put him on Justin Tucker's level. He tried to kick a 58 yard field goal, and it looked like me when I was kicking at the punt passing, punt passing kick that my company threw for us a few years back at the field. Like, he wasn't even in the ballpark. It was 58 yards. It's a long kick, but man, like, you're not even putting it on on the, you know what I mean, like on on the spot. It was awful. So like our special team sucks, our defense sucks, our offense sucks, and like there's just too much talent on this team for me to believe that they're this bad. And, and I don't believe it. And there's got to be a scapegoat. And unfortunately, we're making the scapegoat Tua. But man, Brian Flores and Chris Greer, man, they better look in the mirror, start start pointing with their thumbs instead of their fingers because their their fingerprints are all over this. Well, let's talk about this. I mean, you go look at this Jaguars game. I, I tweeted out and I said during my live reaction that that Seaton Carter hold was going to haunt us. Yep, and you look at that. You look at that drive. 
look at how they called that drive, that short toss on four, first down. Then they ran the ball from the 18 on second um, and goal. Then from the 15, they called a screen that didn't work, you know, that Gaskin didn't make the catch on. Like, they basically played for a field goal when Ahmed had them down to the one, but the Seaton Carter hole put them back. And then you look at the reality of the situation. Brian Flores got out coached in the last four minutes of that game by Urban Meyer. I mean, like, let, let's, let's break this down. I mean, <clears throat> offensively, on fourth and one, why are you going for a Malcolm – Brown inside zone dive for one yard, but out of the shotgun. And so he got to run six yards instead of just one yard. And you threw them the wrinkle earlier in the game with that Jacoby Brissett bootleg. And that's been your MO whenever you needed one yard or less all season with bringing in Jacoby Brissett for that QB sneak. Why all of a sudden are you going away from it? What philosophically changed in how you approach when you go for fourth and one and it matters. So bad play call, it gets stopped, but even worse. You look at those two challenges. Oh, my God. I mean, everyone, you saw the replay. Whoever was up in the replay booth telling them that, yo, you should need to challenge this. I mean, they should be fired. But, um, you know, the replays were playing in the stadium. I know everyone know that there was not enough evidence to overturn those. So you waste those two. Then, on all-time boneheaded coaching calls ever, the Jaguars line up on third and six for the Hail Mary, you decide to call a timeout. Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence talk about a play they've been working on for weeks, that slider with that slant. They hit the slant, gets them in field goal range, and a guy who literally in England had to bend it like Beckham to hit his field goal earlier from 54 or whatever, lines up for a 53-yarder, and you have no timeouts now because of you mismanaging timeouts to ice them where you could have iced them at the snap he kicks it feels good but you say go out and make it again kid yeah you, you know when you stay say that you know people are a bad judge of other people's because they kind of put their their weaknesses kind of at the forefront so brian flores right he's gotten very in the whole team has gotten really conservative because when they're aggressive, it doesn't work out. The two challenges, that's an aggressive move. Not smart. Like, obviously, I think the one might hit the guy's finger, but I don't play the referee game because you shouldn't even be in a game there. But, like, the fourth and one call, let's talk about that, right? The one thing I'm confident about watching the Miami Dolphins here, if you ask me what it's one thing I'm sure of, is that Malcolm Brown sucks in the short short, short yardage situations. Yeah, but I, Tua I, had been your best player all game, and Jalen Waddle and Mike Isecki had been your best playmakers. You took the ball out of their hands. Well, that's that's what I was saying. You, you're going right still in my thunder. Right there is what I exactly was going to say. You proved you didn't have faith in Tua. What I would have done was line Waddle on the right, put him in motion, and he would have done a, like a two-yard out, and Tua would have hit him in stride, and he would have ran the sideline, and we'd have been rolling. Like, it would have worked because it's worked all day long. And they couldn't cover Jalen Waddle. And, you know, he had a good game, right? Two touchdowns, did a good job. But, like, besides the one deep shot that was thrown into double coverage, like, where where are the deep shots of Jalen Waddle? And, like, like, that's where the coaching gets me so frustrating is that it's like you don't even appreciate what you have in Jalen Waddle. So that's where it's like everyone who's like, I think, Jalen, I think Jalen Waddle's a brilliant pick. But, unfortunately, because of the way they use him, you know, everyone's going to say the grass is greener on the other side and that they want Ron Slater. They want somebody else because the Dolphins have created that narrative as okay. 
you know, so it, it's one of the things they're kind of creating their own their own issues by by do, misusing their talent. Like it, it, it's so frustrating. But that game shouldn't even have been a game, man. We started off hot. You know, we had them on the ropes the whole first half. We get into the red zone and we get conservative. We get cute. It doesn't work out. We're kicking field goals instead of touchdowns. And before you know it, Jacksonville's, you know, making plays, you know. And look, did the referees help them out with some calls? Sure. But, like, you know, that's football, man. It happens both ways. And at the end of the day, when you put yourself into a position where the referees mean something, that means you're doing something wrong. So I 100% agree that the coaching is the biggest issue here. You never should lose to Jacksonville. I mean, we're one in five, man. And like this season, I, I, I like look. There's a lot of football left, but our season's going to end after week 18, right? Um, I mean, that that's the bottom line. It, it, it's it's going to be over for us. We're not going to be seeing the postseason. Um, it's very unfortunate because I think we all wanted that, but we need like what I really want to see is a full remainder of the season evaluation of Tua. Let's see what happens because I, I came away okay. Uh, well, I think Tua was one of the best players on the team on Sunday. I mean, that everyone's going to point to that interception. Like, look, Lamar threw two picks against the Chargers, and one of them was at Church's. People make mistakes. Tua's in his 11th start. He's coming off a three, coming off the IR when he missed three games. Um, you know, he's a young quarterback, and like, no one's going to have a 158.3 rating every time they step on the field, right? Like, Tua did more than enough to win that game. He overcame a lot of issues. We've talked about the offensive line. But, you know, like, look, Will Fuller's out. Devontae Parker's out. Preston Williams is out, right? Like, there were just so many things lined up against the guy to be successful. Yet, he still threw for his, you know, 300 and what, 25 or 335 yards to touchdowns. Yeah, 300 and what, 29. And then uh, he had 351 total yards from scrimmage. Well, he looked good running the ball, too, running for yeah. first downs. And like, he had third, a 70% completion percentage. That's ridiculous. And the third and fourth down, like the, the 20 yarder, the, the Matt Collins on fourth. I mean, like, marbles throws, man. And that's where, like, I like, like there, I know that, oh, look, look he outplayed Trevor Lawrence. Oh, he, it, it, I, and then if you actually go by the math, he only had started six games, but played through five games more than Trevor Lawrence at this point. Yeah, he 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 looks better than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you could like we we could argue that's another argument for another day. I mean, obviously Justin Herbert's played outplayed anyone in the last couple of draft classes. You know, I think Tua has been as impressive as anyone else besides Justin Herbert in the last two draft classes. Joe Burrow included. Um, so, you know, like I, I, I'm excited to see because two is going to be the quarterback, obviously, against Atlanta, a home game, a game that we could win. Um, or will we win? Because, I mean, nice segue there into the Atlanta game. Now we return home. And Matt Ryan had over, he had, he threw over 300 yards last game that he played. I mean, you look at it right now Miami offensively, 28th in yards per game. 28 in passing yards, 218.5 per game, but it's up from Tua now taking over with that big game that he just had. Um, you look at we're at 29th in points per game. We're 32nd in rushing yards per game, 71.5, and we're 17th and third down at 39, 39%, which Tua was very good on third down against the Jaguars, but this team we're facing, they're number five in the NFL at third down. They're 45.8. 
um, percentage clip that they convert at do the Falcons offense. Um, they're 23rd in yards per game. They're averaging about 357.4. They're 12th in passing yards, average about 254.6 a game. They're 24th in rushing yards, average 91 per game. And they average about 21 points per game, which is 22nd. And then defensively, bro, we are not good. I believe offensively we are the – 31st or the 32nd ranked while team defense were like 31st right now it's not good but yards per game we're allowing 432.8 defensively which is 31st in the nfl atlanta's allowing 365.8 which is 13th we're allowing 292 yard to 292 and a half yards per game passing which is 29th they're allowing their defense is allowing 244.4 which is 14th Rushing yards, they're allowing 108.2, which is 12th. We're allowing 125.3, which is 22nd. We have been everyone's launching pad in the running game and getting it going against us. And then points per game, they're 31st. They're actually allowing 29.6. We're allowing 29.5, which is 30th. And then a third down percentage, we're 31st. We're allowing 52.4%. They're 27th, allowing 44.8%. So you see, who would have thought they would be in more top top 15 and more meaningful categories defensively than us. Like not me. Not me. Not me. I, I mean, this is a game we should win, but let me ask you a question. Who's going to be on the field for us? Like, right. Like all these injuries that just pop up all the time out of nowhere. Like is Xavier, how are we going to play Calvin Ridley? Cause he's back this week. Who, who is it? Calvin Ridley's back this week. Oh, I mean, and, and so is Xavier Howard going to play? Is Byron Jones going to play? Is Preston Williams yeah. going to play? Is Devontae Parker going to play? Like, I, I don't even know anymore because you know what makes me so frustrated about this Dolphins team is the same people that continue to let us down get op more opportunities to let us down. Like, Devontae Parker was the number 12 overall pick. He had one really good season. Everything, other, everything else he's done since then has been mediocre. He's always hurt. He's not dependable. And like I told you two weeks ago on this podcast, that he's one going to be one of the best values in football at nine million against the cap in the next two years. Well, you know what? I'm done with that. I can't count on this guy anymore. Go give me a third round pick for Devontae Parker. I, I like trade him fourth round pick. Get go find somebody that wants him because I'm so tired of him not being there on Sundays. You can't, you know, you can't help the club from the tub. Preston Williams, same thing, man. Like I'm so tired of hearing about this guy's potential, but then the, then the injury report comes out. And he's inactive or he's not playing for injury. Like, we need people that are going to be there on Sundays. And, like, like when we were at London, and the first thing I see is that, you know, now Byron Jones is out. And now Howard and Jones is out. And I'm like, God, like, like what like what, what happens here? And I know injuries are part of football. But, like, the way it, this team, like, just lets the same people. So, it, it's really frustrating because, like, look. Atlanta's football, the running back situation, Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson. Come on, man. Like, Cordero Patterson's been really good this season with them, though. Yeah, he has. And, and like, you know, because Arthur Smith uses them well. But, like, yeah. we, this is a game we should win, man. And, and honestly, I, I think. We what do you have? Well, what's your prediction? Mm, I, I don't think we're going to. I know Atlanta gives up. Nine, I, I think we'll win this game like 24 to 22. Something funky. Something close. I think we get a win because I think it sucks everyone back in. The Dolphins are really good at doing that. I think two is going to have another. 300 yard game with two touchdowns so I, I feel good that he's gonna have another good game but the one thing that does scare me i'll be honest is not just the injuries but how's all this distraction and this noise about deshaun watson going to impact Tua? like right like well, hey look at that that interception didn't shake him i'm not worried about this but the one thing i gotta say for him right is that when he was put into stardom in alabama 
you know, he literally at halftime of a national championship game stole the job from Jalen Phillips, right? Like, you know, sometimes you're the fly, sometimes you're the windshield. And I think that, like, unfortunately for him, he is a good, you know, he's got this over his shoulder. He's got to be looking over his shoulder. But he is such a good pro that already in his young age that, like, I, I think he's the kind of guy that gets motivated by the noise. And we might see him have, you know, another really, really stellar game. And when he if he compiles a game that was similar to Jacksonville, right? And like, look, he he's had two games as a starter. God, and, and like I can't believe he's not two and zero, but he's played really well in both those games. If you take the two bonehead interceptions he throw, and you can't you can't just eliminate him from the equation, but just you know you know what I'm saying. Like no. you take those things out, and you're thinking like I'm sitting here on this with you right now, being like, dude, we got that guy, and I and I still think that actually, and I think you agree with me. I think I think if we let if we built the team right around Tua it would turn out to be a really good thing for us. But yeah, man, I, I think we win 24, 22. Um, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Atlanta's defense, just to be completely honest, but I'll tell you what, you know, our, our offensive line is really good at making others look great. So I got faith in Tua. I'm going to take us 29 to 23. Yeah. I mean, look, that's fair. I mean, I, I got faith in two. I don't got faith in this team, but I got faith in two in responding. Yeah, you know what, man? I don't care anymore. Like for me, like the playoffs, it'd have been nice. I just want to see this team have some pride. I, I want to see some fight. I, I, I if I don't want to see these vets check out. If if people are checking out, I'm moving on. Like it, it I, I'm telling you, like it, it, it sounds so knee jerk, but like we acquiesced to what Xavier Howard wanted before the season, right? You know, we paid him more. We, we did – the Dolphins did our part. And X had the pick against New England, and he had the fumble recovery. He hasn't looked good. And I know he's been battling injury. And that's part of the football. But I could just tell in his body language that he wants to be anywhere else in the world but there. And that frustrates me because we paid him more. You know, like if we, if we would have said, you know what, X, no, stick with your contract and he didn't care. That's one thing, right? But like, and look, people are going to come after me and say, you're an idiot. Like X is our best player. I'm a big boy. I can take it. I'm telling you, I can read body language pretty well. And he's checked out and I hope I'm wrong, but it would be a real shame if the Dolphins only got a third round pick for one of their best players. You know what I mean? Like it'd be a real shame, but I, I, if it doesn't happen during the course of the season, I see no way that Xavier Howard's back on this team next year. His yeah, choice, yeah. too. His choice. He doesn't yeah. want to be here. All right, man. Um, so uh, I guess we'll see how this Sunday goes, and we'll also see how the um, the Watson stuff plays out. Yeah, I think um, we might have a gut feeling. You think it happens? Deck, right? <laughs> you think you say again? I said we might have an emergency pod on deck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gut feeling. Do you, uh, do you think it happens before the trade deadline? I don't think it happens before Sunday. I think it happens before the trade deadline. All right. I think, and and I and I'll tell you what I think happens. I think it's going to be three first round picks, and I think it's going to be one additional third pick that can be a two, depending on some some parameters they put. So I think they're going to go four conditional. Picks. I think four picks total, and I think what they'll do is they'll get a second round pick back. And I'm going to say the team that makes the trade for Tua is the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
And and the only reason I think that is because I, I I know in that building there is severe concern about Ben Roethlisberger. They have a good defense. They don't want to waste it. And I don't know if anyone watched the uh, Sunday night game, but you know the defense had a win on that game in overtime against Gito Smith. Ben Roethlisberger just looks washed, man. And mm-hmm. I think a second round pick is not much to give up. They have the cap space to fit two in. Like I and I, you know what. I think that'd be an awesome landing spot for him, and that'd be fun to watch. So, you know, I yeah, I think it happens. What do you think? You think it happens? I think it. If it doesn't happen by the deadline, it doesn't happen at all. Because I think someone else is going to get involved in the off season, and it's going to get too muddy, and the price will go up. Especially if he looks like it's going to clear. Um, and the team that I think to a the dark horse I'm going to pick swooping in would be. New Orleans. I mean that that would be the best landing spot I think for him, the single best one. Washington makes a ton of sense too, though if you think about it, right? Well, they, I, I know they like them a lot, and I've heard mixed reviews on whether that will happen or not. Um, I know there's a lot of reporters coming out on the Washington side and saying they've heard no, right? I, I've seen that, but let, let's all play this thing called everyone can get information. But there's also information that's not available. And, you know, because I, 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 I know that there was people that came out and said that Denver is a good landing spot. And I think one of them was Lance Erland saying, I think Denver's going to have a new quarterback. Like, there's some very reputable people saying that Denver and Washington are in play for Tua. So you'd have to believe it. Now, I also see people in the Denver side like, why it's a downgrade from Teddy Bridgewater? Tua, I think there's people in the Denver organization that want to hold out. They want to hold out for Rodgers in the offseason. Yeah, and I think and I and I, we did that on the last pod. I think we all said like Rodgers, Denver, Russell Wilson, Philadelphia, and Deshaun Watson, Miami. Like, and that's kind of how I see the musical chairs hitting. So yeah, I, I agree. And, and look, if, if there's a team that wouldn't be interested in Tua, he played his worst game of his career against Denver. I, I, like Washington makes a lot of sense to me, but God, how about the football irony if him and Fitzpatrick were together again, man? Yeah. Oh, but no, hey, man, like, hey, look, Finn's up. Like, it's going to be an interesting week. Like, again, like, it, it, people are going to go nuts. People, like, Dolphins fans on Twitter, it's going to be mayhem until the trade, de- trade deadline. I might have you to know. deactivate. Yeah, I mean, you just got to be careful, you know. It's it's going to be like the uh, sidelines of the Mississippi-Tennessee game, man. Like, bottles are going to be flying. But, like, you know, I, I think the thing is that we it just shows that there's passion in this fan base still, man. After all these years of losing, like, there's there's people that, like, you know, we've yeah, all had our – There's passion, but there isn't the other big P word that's patience. Yeah, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens here, like, you know, the, the, the reason why this may rub certain people like Greer the wrong way with, you know, for Ross stepping in is because this fundam- goes against the fundamental philosophy that they built that the last two draft classes are going to be the core of this team and that they're going to grow and develop this team. This kind of goes away from, you know, they, they always stress their growth and development, but it kind of goes away from everything, but I get why because it's a top five quarterback at the you know in the yeah, NFL. I mean, and, and like, look again, like we're, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about this a lot, especially over the next two weeks. But the the, the quarterback is not the problem, Watson. And I don't mm-hmm. look. I like we talked about this. We're not lawyers. There's a lot of there's a lot there's a lot in play. This is this is as complex 
of a trade and, you know, a reasoning behind the trade and all that. I mean, this is as complex as it gets. On the football field, though, I mean, like, that's a top-tier talent. Like, Stephen Ross wants to build not just a good football team that can win, but he wants to build a brand. And, I, and, I, and like, Tua's, look, he's really popular, and he's got a brand. But Deshaun Watson, I mean, like, that's just, like, that is such a Stephen Ross move, right? Like, that's why I'm so confident in all this. Not because of what I've heard or what I've read. It's because I'm looking at Stephen Ross, the business owner, a guy who is successful in everything that he's done in his life except own the Miami Dolphins. And he is naive enough to think that just changing the quarterback, all bite, all bite, it's better. He is probably a better player. He he's he thinks that that's going to change everything, and I still think like you know sneak peek. I I truly believe that whether this trade happens or not, that I think Stephen Ross's Jets going to be flying to Ann Arbor in the off season and trying to get a coach that he wanted once before, and you know I I I won't hold any punches. That's my number one target would be Jim Harbaugh if there was a coach opening in Miami. But like, let's see. Let, let's take a day at a time. At this point, we got Atlanta. We should win. The yeah, because it's going to become about the GM that's hired, and then the GM's going to go from yeah. his list of candidates there. So yeah, Reed, I right. hope I'm sending you text on Sunday talking about how good Tua looks and a Dolphins victory. Like at this point, like <laughs> yeah, like, but then I'll get the it's over when we lose text from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, here here's another thing too, right? So for football watching. You know, Sunday night, right? It's the Colts versus the 49ers. So I'm going to be a big Colts fan. Like, you know, because here's the reality. Like you said earlier, it kind of sucks that we, we like, we, we could might have Evan Neal or Ke- uh, Thibodeau right in our laps. And, yeah. you know, we're not going to be able But like, I don't think the 49ers pick is going to be too much higher. I really got to take Tyler Lindebaum. Uh, yeah, him, or I'm going to throw you out my favorite player in the draft now. I got a new guy. He's going to be like number three overall on my big board. Nicobe Dean, linebacker, linebacker Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, I he's, love this kid. I don't have him like Michael Parsons level yet, but he's sniffing. He's it. Yeah. yeah, that whole linebacking core there is really good. That whole defense is yeah. really good. <laughs> but yeah, man. Well, hey, man. Have a good week. Good you luck, too, brother. We'll talk and, this weekend. And guys, we'll be back next week to dive back in. Fin too deep. Until next time, it's fins up all day, every day. Stay happy, healthy, safe.